Amen. It shall stand. What a great, great promise from God. Appreciate everybody being with us today. Appreciate our guests who are with us today. We're glad you could be with us this day as we spend a little bit of time. And Dwayne, we appreciate those thoughts about sacrifice. Some of us of another generation, sometimes it's hard to imagine what folks like you went through. But it's even harder for us to imagine what our Lord went through. And he did that for each of us. And for that, we're very thankful. Well, Thanksgiving is over. Turkey's been carved. We've eaten it. The football game's been played. Tomorrow it's back to school. It's back to work. And Thanksgiving goes back into the box and it's all over. And for a lot of people, that's it. We're not going to think about it again until next year. And what I wanted to look at this morning is this wonderful idea of what happens next. For a lot of people, we're running full speed ahead to go to Christmas. And that's where all of our attention is. Let's get ready for Christmas. The music's on. We see it in the stores everywhere. People have been busy shopping. But what about Thanksgiving? Is that simply it? You know, this idea of what happens next is a big part of life. There is a wedding and there's a lot of preparation goes into the decorations, into getting everything ready for the wedding. And then that day of that wedding comes about, and there are people, and there are gifts, and kisses, and, and cake, and all kinds of things. And then the wedding's over, everybody goes home, and then what happens next? A lot of people forget that there's a marriage behind a wedding. And then we think about such things as the idea of a funeral. Somebody dear to us has died. We gather at the funeral home. Friends show up. Our mailbox gets full of sympathy cards. There's hugs. There's kisses. There's we're thinking about you. There's a trip to the cemetery. And then everybody goes back home. What happens next? There is a baptism at church. And after services, a whole bunch of people come up and congratulate and are hugged. We're so happy for you. Great day in your life. What happens next? You ever thought about that? In our Bibles, there's a great example of this as we think about the story of the prodigal son. Remember the prodigal went out and he's away from home for a period of time. He came back home in Luke chapter 15. The Bible says, now his older son was in the field, and when he came, he approached the house. He heard dancing and music. The fatted calf was being eaten. It was a great day. The prodigal was home. What happened next? Are we going to have a fatted calf tomorrow? Are we going to have dancing and music tomorrow? What happens next? And what we're going to do this morning is we're going, to, we're going to look at a man who understood what happened next. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Acts chapter 8. We're going to walk through the story of the Ethiopian eunuch. Here is a man who understood what happened next. And then we're going to come right back to where we began while ago and talk about Thanksgiving as we think about this concept. Let's read the story. Acts chapter 8, begin verse 26. So many of us in this room have heard this before, but it's just a great, great lesson for us about a man who understood what happens next. Acts chapter 8, we begin verse 26. But an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is the desert road. He arose and went. Behold, there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, 
queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship. And he was returning, sitting in his chariot, and was reading the prophet Isaiah. The spirit said to Philip, go up and join his chariot. And when Philip had run up, he heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said to him, do you understand what you're reading? He said, well, how could I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture which he was reading was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shear is silent, so he does not open his mouth. And humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who shall relate his generation? From his life is, for his life is removed from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, Please tell me, of whom does a prophet say this, of himself or someone else? And Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. And as they went on their way, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? Verse 37 says, And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he ordered the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. And he came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, but he went on his way rejoicing. Here is a man who understood what happened next. We see some things about this man. Number one, he was an important man. The Bible tells us he's in charge of the queen's treasure. That's pretty important. Uh, the queen wants to buy something and you don't have the money, you're in trouble. He's in charge of books. He's a number guy. He would understand the value of such things. He was also a wealthy man, as we will see in just a moment. And we will see that he's also a lost person. He does not know Jesus, and this is something that comes out of the story as we talk about this. Now, he had gone to Jerusalem to worship. Now, Jerusalem from Ethiopia was a long, long way. Picture this this morning. You wake up about 3 this morning or 4 this morning. You're going to drive to Chicago this morning to go to church. You're not going to see any museums. Your attention is not to see a ball game. You're not going there to some restaurant. Your main reason to get up so early this morning is just to go to Chicago to go to church. But because he's a eunuch, he cannot come into the temple. So you get up at 3 or 4 this morning, drive to Chicago, and the only part you can get into is the church parking lot. You can't get in any farther. A lot of us would say, Really? But that was the heart of this man because he loved the Lord. And we see how valuable this is. Now, three simple lessons for you this morning. Number one, worship was over, but he wasn't. He had gone to Jerusalem to worship. Now he's returning. Worship is over, but I'm not done with worship. Verse 28 tells us, and he is returning and sitting in his chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah. Two things I want you to notice here. First of all, he had his own personal copy of Isaiah. That shows us he had some money. Can you imagine you get only one book in your Bible? One book in the Old Testament. You have to buy it. And let's say this book is going to cost you about the price of a car. Would you do that? And then what book of the Old Testament would you pick out? 
He had bought Isaiah. Isaiah was three massive scrolls. Likely he had heard Isaiah being taught in the temple as he stood outside in the court of the Gentiles. And maybe he was interested in that book and interested in those things. How interesting it was that he did this. Second thing I want you to notice is that Philip catches him on the desert road. He doesn't catch him outside of the temple. He's not waiting right outside the church doors when you come out. He says, I want to talk to you about the Bible. He doesn't catch him in the parking lot. He doesn't catch him at the gates of Jerusalem. Church has been over. And he's on this right in his car driving home. And he's reading the prophet Isaiah. Do you see that? This shows you the heart of this man. And this shows you how interesting it was. It shows us that he understood the power of God's word. And it shows us that he understood the purpose of God's word. And it shows us that he understood the place of God's word. He was reading the word of God after worship. Now, once you understand, this is an important man. He could be going over government papers. He could be doing the numbers as he heads back home and has to stand before the queen. He could be working out a schedule for next week. But what he was doing, even though worship was over, he was reading the Bible. Now, before we leave this point, we've got to talk about ourselves. Have you noticed, and I'm the most guilty person in here of doing this, as soon as the last amen is over, man, I heard it's going to rain today. Man, it's going to get cold, I heard. Might get some snow. What about that ball game yesterday? Did you see how it ended? How'd you do on Black Friday shopping? You notice how quickly we turn secular to things that really do not matter as soon as worship is over. He wasn't reading his Bible when he left the doors of the church. He wasn't reading his Bible when he sat in his car waiting for his wife to come out. He was on his way home, probably days later, and he's still reading the Bible. And I wonder sometimes if we need to think about that. We do our worship. We close our Bible. We throw it in the back seat of our car. And then next Sunday, where's that Bible? Oh, yeah, here it is. It's been here all week long. This man was not like that, was he? Great lesson for us to think about. Secondly, as we think about this, what you see, he kept his heart open. He kept his heart open as he was listening to the word of God. Now, again, this is valuable. When somebody says, you know what? I know how to worship. You just close your heart. When somebody says, I have my own church, you've just closed your heart. This man's heart remained open. And so we see here in verse 30 and 31, Philip ran up and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet, and he said, do you understand what you're reading? He said, well, how could I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Two things I want you to notice. Number one, Philip was a stranger. There's no indication they knew each other. As a chariot is moving on, Philip is running trying to catch that chariot. And he doesn't say, stop. Hey, Philip, dude, where have you been? I haven't seen you in a long time. No. Likely they had never met before. But he invites him up, doesn't he? And Philip was very different than he was. Philip was a Christian. Philip worshipped on Sunday. This man had worshipped on Saturday. This man does not know about Jesus Christ. 
And so we see there's a lot of differences in there. And yet his heart was opened up to, to say, I'm willing to listen to what you have to say. I'm reading this Bible verse. I don't understand it. Can you explain it to me? Now, that leads us to a passage and a thought I want to share with you. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. Handle it accurately. How somebody handles the Bible either builds credibility or it builds distrust. Now take your Bible and let me give you an example of this. Turn with me to the book of Philippians, if you will. Philippians chapter 1. We'll give you a couple examples of this this morning. Philippians chapter 1. This is a very simple passage. Philippians 1, verse 1. Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, including the overseers and deacons. That is the organization of God's church. That's not a hard verse to understand. What's the organization of this church? There are saints, there are deacons, and there are overseers. That's it. There's no earthly headquarters. There's no committees. There's no bylaws. There's nothing else. Now let me, listen to this. If you can't get this simple verse, how can I trust you on anything else? In the book of Genesis, in chapter 1, God said he created them male and female. It's not male, female, question mark. You decide what you want to be. Male, female, if you want to, even though you're human, you want to be a dog, you can be a dog. God made them male and female. That's not hard to understand. Now, if you can't get that, how am I going to understand what you're telling me about the war in Israel? Or the book of Revelation? Or the Holy Spirit? Or salvation. Had a guy a while back really recommend this author. Fantastic author, he said. He's, he, he is the C.S. Lewis of our generation. And I did some reading about this guy before I bought his books. He's not right about salvation. He's not right about inspiration. He's not right about organization. He's not right about homosexuality. He's not right about the Holy Spirit. And I kept thinking, why should I buy your book, dude? You're wrong on everything. Imagine sitting down with a financial counselor. He's broke, unemployed, and filed bankruptcy. Are you going to listen to that guy? No. And so when somebody says, listen to what I said, listen to what my preacher says about the Holy Spirit. Well, dude, are you right about this? This is a simple one. This is a simple one. It doesn't take a lot of thinking to get this one. You're wrong on this. You're wrong on this. You're wrong on this. Why should I listen to you? You see, even the devil can quote the scripture. And so we need to appreciate this very idea. And so what Acts 8 tells us is that Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he preached Jesus. We'll come back to that in just a minute and see how Philip did that. And so in Luke 24, when Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, was on the road to Emmaus, and he met those two sad guys walking the seven miles to Emmaus, not understanding the thing, then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in the scriptures, handling accurately the scriptures. It's not a blind faith. It's not just believe it because I tell you so. You believe it because it's in the scriptures. 
Acts 17, the Apostle Paul, according to Paul's customs, he went to them for three Sabbaths, reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and giving evidence that the Christ had to suffer from the dead. You see this? And so what Philip did, he invited this stranger up to him in the to sit with him in the chariot. He explained to him the Scriptures, and Philip was using the word of God in an accurate way, he developed credibility so he could listen to him. We look again in our Bibles in Acts 17, verse 11. Now these were more noble-minded than those Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness, examining the scriptures. It's not how cute somebody is. It's not how many followers he has on his podcast. It's not how wonderful he is charismatically. It's does he handle the word of God accurately? We need to see that. And a lot of people are blinded by the smoke of what's put out before them. Well, I, I know he's not right on this, but he's a great guy. I know he's not right on this, but he's a great guy. After a while, you got to start saying, I don't think he's a great guy because he's simply not right. Philip in Acts chapter 8, up, up above in our same chapter, verse 5, he went down to the city of Samaria and began proclaiming Christ to them. Verse 12, but when they believed Philip preaching the good news about the kingdom of God, about the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized. Why were they baptized? Because preaching Jesus involves that. That's handling accurately. You talk about Jesus all day long, you leave out the kingdom, you leave out baptism, you haven't handled it accurately. Third simple point, he found his real home. And here in verse 38, 39, as they're going down the road, he ordered the chariot to stop. Why? Stop the car now. Why? If I believe in faith only, all I have to do is believe Jesus. I can do that and still ride in a chariot. I can still do that riding the car. Stop the chariot. Why? We're getting out. Why? We're going into the water. Why? Can't you just dip down a little bit of water and pour it on my head? No. That's not accurate. That's not what the Bible says. They stopped the chariot. They both went down to the water. Philip as well as the eunuch. And he baptized him. He immersed him. When he came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no longer, but went on his way rejoicing. In your Bible, turn with me a couple of pages before this. Acts chapter 2. And again, just that wonderful connection to what the Bible teaches. Acts chapter 2. And as Peter was preaching, verse 37, the audience was pierced in their heart, said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? Peter said to them, Repent, and let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Can't I go to heaven without baptism? No. No, you can't. Can I just believe in Jesus and that's enough? No. Because if you really believe, you're going to do what Jesus says. As Dwayne said, said a while ago, the Lord gives us the commands. We are to follow those commands. And so we see the idea of how important this was. And so when the eunuch came home, he came home differently. He came home different than why he first went to Jerusalem. And he came home knowing Jesus. He came to Jerusalem not knowing about Jesus. In the temple, they wouldn't talk about Jesus. In the temple, they wouldn't talk about baptism for the remission of sins. But he came home knowing these things, and he came home being saved. What a difference all that made. 
You see, here's somebody who understood what happens next. I've been to worship, and that's all that's necessary. No, because he was reading, because his heart was opened, because he listened, his life changed. And so when we go back to Thanksgiving, what's next? Number one, we are to live a thankful life. It's not just a moment. It's how we're supposed to be. We should be drawn close to the Lord. The apostle would say in the book of 1 Thessalonians in chapter 5, we think about that wonderful passage to pray without ceasing. He would say in verse 18, the passage that follows, he says, In all things and everything give thanks, for this is God's will. We become faithful stewards of what God has given us. What is important to God ought to be important to us. We need to take care of what is important to God, our marriages, our walk with Him, this congregation, our lives. Those are what's important to God. And so to be thankful, what, what happens after Thanksgiving is that we become faithful stewards. We take care of these things. And then we express thankfulness to the world that we live in. The Bible says in the book of Psalms, I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart. I will tell of your wonders. I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. In chapter 22, I will tell of your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. I will praise you. And then chapter 66, come and hear all who fear God, and I will tell you what he has done for my soul. And so as the community in the world has put Thanksgiving in the box, it's over for the year, it should never be over for us. What happens next is, are we truly thankful? Are we truly living a life of thankfulness? And what a grand example we find about this eunuch, a guy who'd simply gone to worship, but his life was changed because of what he read in the Word of God. I love the story of a family who visited Disney first time. They had a little boy about five years old, never been there before. And as they were with the other five million people going through the gates, he stood there before Cinderella's castle. He just stood there looking. at. He had never seen anything like that in all his life. He just stared at it. His mom and dad said, come on, let's go. Don't you want to do some rides? His response was, do you mean there's more? And there's more. There's more for us to do here, and there's more for us awaiting up there when we think about heaven. This morning, as we think about this lesson, we need to look in our hearts and think about where I am with Jesus. When my worship is over, am I done? Do I think about God this afternoon? A couple things I'd throw in just to help you with this. What a great conversation to have over, over lunch to talk about what we've done here, to talk about our songs, our Lord's Supper, our preaching. On Wednesdays, every Wednesday, we have a podcast, and we go over the sermon before, and we just kind of pull out some things we didn't talk about in the sermon. What a great reminder for me just to listen to that podcast and to remind myself, you know what? Worship really isn't over. I need to keep reading. I need to keep following. I need to keep being what God wants me to be. And maybe this morning there's one among us, and you're like that eunuch. You love God. You love his word. You know what's right. 
And as you hear the word preaching, you realize, you know what? I believe, but I've never been baptized. And God wants me baptized. Jesus said that. The apostles preached that. All through the book of Acts, find person after person after person who did that. No one after the cross of Jesus was saved who was not baptized. Oh, that thief on the cross, that's before he died. Well, that guy who was lowered through the ceiling, that's before he died. Well, that thankful leper, that's before he died. But after he died, everybody who was forgiven was baptized. Have I done that? And if I've done that, what's next? What's next is living that life. What's left and what's next is doing what God wants me to do. What's next is telling the world and my family about Jesus. What's next is living that thankful life that God wants me to do. If you're stepping in any way, why don't you come? Let's be standing as we sing.